Good day to you fine people of God. I'm Pastor Cole McClendon coming to you from Central Assembly of God, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. I trust that you will find great value in listening to this message today. My hope is that you're encouraged and strengthened by the word given and that you will return to this site frequently to listen in. Be blessed. Today is your first time with us or you were not here with us last week. There is a part one just titled Expectations. I've asked these, uh, our sound engineers and the people that are part of recording the services to uh, make sure they get a good recording. I'm going to do my best to put this in a form that you could get both messages. Of course, they are available through electronic means to you uh, because we archive all of the messages and you can get them on, uh, through podcasts. And we, we've got every basically shaped form and fashion that you can get our messages. I began the message last week explaining how our expectations impact outcomes for us. I looked with you into the lives of Zechariah and Elizabeth, who are the parents of John the Baptist. And the, John the Baptist would be the one that would announce that Jesus has come. And as we looked at his parents, how their lives were radically changed, and further, how the expectations for Jesus as Messiah were dramatically different for the Jewish people of that time. All right, so stay with me. We just looked at how the, the expectations for the Jewish people were really different at that time. And like us, when enough negative stuff blows up in our lives, our expectations can diminish. And there were a couple of quotes that I want to bring into this week just to help you get up to speed somewhat with last week's message. I quoted from Pastor Stephen Furtick. He said these words, when you don't understand someone's expectations, you can't make sense of their disappointment. You'll hear more about that. I further said faith is a confident assurance that a negative circumstance still holds the potential to produce great purpose in my life. That's just another way of saying that God can take a bad situation, looks messed up, and make it a good situation in the end. And I closed out essentially my message by saying if you've been sitting around sulking with the ones who have little faith and low expectations, you need to surround yourself with people who have great expectations. How many of you serve a great and living God? Everybody that just had hands laid on them for a gift of faith, you ought to shout hallelujah. Now let me give you the scriptures I built last week's message on. I believe I have them on the overhead for you. Oh, I even had the quotes. My goodness. Sorry, I didn't do this already. I'm better than I thought I was. <laughs> you want to take a quick picture? I got to turn the page, folks. We don't have a whole lot of time. 
One, two, three. Sorry, I didn't give you enough time, but here we go from the scriptures. Now, faith brings our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. It is all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. That's faith. That's Hebrews 11.1 1 from the Passion Translation. I chose to use it. It's a little bit different version, but I love the version and how it presents. It is all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. Some of you just had hands laid on you. That's faith. Gift of faith. Still unseen. But now things change today. I love this verse. I hope I can come around and remember to come around to it in the end of the message. But Philippians 1, 6 says, and I am certain, hallelujah. Look at your neighbor right now and say, certain. That means you're positive. This is absolute. I am certain, Paul says, God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So I ended my message last week on the positive by saying that expectation is contagious related to the story of Mary going to the house of Elizabeth, right? Mary with child, virgin, not married, goes to the household of Elizabeth because she knew her relative Elizabeth was pregnant miraculously. And Elizabeth would understand. So she goes to the household of Elizabeth because she knows that Elizabeth understands great expectations. But I need to say this, while expectation is contagious, so is skepticism. That's why you need to surround yourself with people who have faith who believe in a God who can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you could ask, think, or imagine. So here's what we're going to do and why we call it Expectations 2.0. We're going to now jump to the end of John the Baptist's life and look at how expectations affected him. Look at this passage of Scripture. John the Baptist who was in prison, heard about all the things the Messiah was doing. So he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the Messiah we've been expecting? Or should we keep looking for someone else? Are you the Messiah we've been expecting? You see the word expecting? expectations there's the reason for the message and so I begin by looking in this this general area this can't be you know when pain pain when it's hurled at you enough it can cause you to wonder what's going on some of you are there right now now listen John's not in prison because he did something wrong he didn't cheat anyone. He didn't steal from someone. He didn't lie. He didn't murder. He's not in jail 
because he did something wrong. I want you to think about this for a moment. John the Baptist is not in jail because he did something wrong. In fact, John is sent to prison for doing what he was sent by God to do. He told the truth. I'm not sure you're still with me on this. I want you to think about this for a moment. He is in jail for doing what God told him to do. Here it is in, in short. He told Herod that you are in the wrong for marrying your brother's wife. I know, that's messed up, ain't it? Y'all thought that was just stuff that happens these days. Nope. Nope. Nothing new. John told Herod, the leader, the Roman leader, right, who they are in subjection to, dude, you messed up. This ain't right. He now understands something about John. He knew nothing of political correctness. He had, in fact, it is said of him in the scriptures, it, when, when, when Zechariah was told by the angel he was going to have a son, Zechariah, uh, the angel told Zechariah, he will have the spirit of Elijah. And if you know anything about Elijah, he was not politically correct. He wasn't afraid to say stuff that other people are afraid to say. And so he, he did it. John was like that. John had told Herod that he was wrong in taking his own brother's wife as his wife. So John is biding his time in prison while Jesus is blowing up on the scene. I'm, I'm using some of these young people's terminology right now, but blowing up on Facebook, blowing up on text, whatever, you know. That's where this phraseology comes from, but Jesus was just blowing up on the scene. I mean, it was coming alive. John's good. John's good with his, his purpose. I want you to know this. He knew when, when he baptized Jesus who he was. But trouble can blur your vision. Trouble can blur your vision. Every single one of you believers should have said amen just then. Trouble can blur your vision. You don't see things like you ought to be seeing things because you're in so much deep mess that it hurts and you can't see right. So he's, he's even good with being in prison. He doesn't know he's about to lose his head, but he's okay with being in prison. He doesn't mind being in prison and, and what we know with hindsight that he didn't know at that time is that God, had, he had met his purpose. His purpose had been fulfilled. But here's the deal. Things couldn't be going any better for Jesus right now. It couldn't be, I'm, I'm telling you, everything is going good for Jesus. I'm not telling you that everybody loves him. But, I mean, he's out. People are getting healed. The dead are being raised. I mean... You know, lame or walking, and people are, every need is being met. It's happening for Jesus. Crowds, I mean, huge crowds are coming to see Jesus. What we call mega churches today, it was happening for him then. People coming out into the wilderness to see Jesus, traveling for days. 
And John is in prison, biding his time, having to hear all the good stuff that's happening for Jesus. So let me rephrase this for you. Well-grounded Christians, including leadership, can miss God's path. I meant every word in that statement. I went over and over in that statement to make sure that I got it clear so you would understand every part of it. Well-grounded Christians, including leadership, can miss God's path. And why, do I, why is this happening? Because it's the fulfillment of Matthew 24, 24. For the false messiahs and false prophets will rise up and perform great signs and wonders so as to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen ones. None of us are outside of the scope of that scripture. That's why it's good to stay humble. It's also good to have some people that love you and love God a lot so that they can hold you accountable when you start acting goofy and calling it Jesus. Here's what John is saying. This doesn't look like the picture I had in mind. This doesn't look like the picture I had in mind. John is just a few months older than Jesus. So naturally, he's not thinking that his work is done. Same thing for John as Jesus. You know, he's just in his early 30s. Nobody in their early 30s is thinking, well, I'm about done. This is enough of life for me. John wasn't thinking it was over. In fact, he's thinking like most Jewish people thought. John is thinking like most Jewish people thought, like Jesus' disciples thought, that Jesus was going to set up a kingdom here on earth. That's what John thought. I mean, even right up to the crucifixion itself, Jesus' disciples were still thinking he was going to set up a kingdom here on earth. I mean... Hours before he was crucified, they're talking to him. I, I want to be on your right, and I want to be on your left, and we're going to have this, and we're going to have that. They were confused. John was thinking the very same thing, that Jesus was going to set up a kingdom. So let's look at the view from here. <laughs> let's look at the view from here. John asked, are you the one we've been expecting? Go back to the verse. Are you the one we've been expecting? Or should we look for another? And I remind you that Stephen Furtick said, when you don't understand someone's expectations, you can't make sense of their disappointment. That's why John is asking this question. His expectations were different from what he was seeing. John asked like he's not the only one. You hear it? You hear it in the words? Are you the one? Hear it? Weave been expecting he asks like he's not the only one thinking this because he's not the only one thinking this you see the jesus john had announced and baptized was not quite fulfilling his own vision and dreams hmm. that's why he asked the question should we look for another you hear it now, don't you? You see it now. 
You see it now. It's played out right before you, and you can hear it in John's voice. You can hear it in what he sends his own disciples to Jesus to ask Jesus this question. Are you the one we've been expecting, or should we look for another? Has anyone in here ever gone looking for other options? Uh-oh. I'm going to ask the question again, give you an opportunity to say, for, say an amen, even if it doesn't feel good to say the amen, you know it's true. Has anyone in here ever gone looking for other options? You see, John's expectation was very different from what Jesus was doing. I can explain it to you. I can explain it from John's own words. It's there in the scripture for our gleaning. Now I take you to a passage of scripture that will help you in Luke 3. Here it is. Luke 3 verse 16 starts this way. John answered their questions by saying, I baptize you with water, but someone is coming soon who is greater than I am. So much greater than I'm not even worthy to be his slave and untie the straps of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He's not done yet. He is ready to separate the chaff from the wheat with his winnowing fork. Then he will clean up the threshing area, gathering the wheat into his barn, but burning the chaff with never-ending fire. Somebody say, ouch. ouch. <laughs> Hear the words again. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. There's your first word. Give you a clue into John's thinking process. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. And then he doesn't stop. There he goes. And he will separate the chaff from the wheat with his winnowing fork. Y'all don't know much about that, but it was, it was basically a, a big, gigantic fork with pointy, pointy. It didn't have little convenient, uh, you know, open, flat like our forks. This was a fork that looked like a pitchfork. You still may not know what I'm talking about, but I should have to put a picture up there. But, but just think of it as a wooden-handled, big, gigantic fork about this wide that had uh, the, the ability, if you, if you hit somebody with it, you could kill them. You could stab them with it. Now, listen to the verse again. The one that's coming after me, John's saying, will come with his winnowing fork, He's going to separate the wheat from the chaff, and he's going to use his fork to do that. So he's got fire, and he's got a fork, both of which are intended to do damage. This is John talking right now. Now, I know you're listening to this and thinking, well, come on, aren't you building this up a little bit? Listen, he doesn't even stop there. He's going to clean this place up with fire. These are John's words. When he announces Jesus coming in his baptism, he's going to come. He's going to clean this place up. He's, he's a fire and brimstone kind of guy. Have you, ever, have you ever seen that? A fire and brimstone kind of guy. 
That's who this is here. You, you know how you like some preachers because they're good teachers. You don't, you don't say amen here. You like some preachers because they're good teachers. And you like some preachers because they're, they're, they're loud and can be intimidating. The John Hagee type, you know? How many of you like John Hagee? It's okay, you can say it in this room. No, I mean, he's a strong preacher. And you want to know about Revelation, John Hagee's your guy. He's Pentecostal, he's fiery, he's got that big booming voice, and, and he just stays on the word like a dog with a bone. You like those exciting preachers. Some of you like a T.D. Jakes that's, that it's exciting and can get you all hyped up, standing on your feet, saying, give God 15 more seconds of praise. Hallelujah. <laughs> John, he's got Jesus pegged as someone who's going to bring his winnowing fork and fire, and he's about to mess you loud of not you people that are out of the will of God you whitewashed sepulchers you hear him uh, what's whitewashed sepulchers that's people that have the appearance of being clean and white but they're not people that should know better John saying y'all about to get messed up Jesus is bringing something he's bringing the fire he's bringing the fork you're gonna get messed up that's John you can see the kind of preacher leader John was looking for in his words, his own words. All of those things are words that, I've, that I've, you can look at and you can see John saying them in the scriptures. When people came out to see him, whitewashed sepulchers. He was, a, he was, those people were so offended by John's words. But Jesus responds to John, and he clears the air. Go from Matthew chapter 11 for this, verse 4. Jesus told them, go back to John and tell him what you've heard and seen. The blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. And here's the problem. It's what you do not see in those verses that is at stake here. You need to take note of. It's what you don't see. John's having a moment where the... <laughs> he's having a moment. Any believers out there ever had a moment? John's having a moment. You've been there. You sat in your prayer closet and said, God, I don't understand this. Where's the fork? Where's the fire, Lord? You're supposed to be coming along here telling these scribes, these Pharisees, these so-called know-it-all religious people that are treating me bad, put me in prison, think I'm all messed up. Jesus, you're supposed to be taking care of those people. You've had a moment before when you've prayed something like, like David spoke in some of the Psalms. Come on, you've had that moment. I mean, you want to go WTF on them? You prayed that way. Some of y'all don't know what that is. It's a worldwide wrestling federation. You want to, Jesus, give them a beatdown. 
You're praying that way. They ain't right. They're not supposed to be doing this. John's having one of those kind of moments. And let's be honest. And I want that to bring some humor to you. I want that to be something that makes you smile because here you sit today. There's some of you right now trying to figure out what is this? Where is the Jesus I'm looking for? How can this be? How can I be in this much pain? How can you sit there, Jesus, while I go through this much pain? John. How can I be having this kind of struggle? Who's who struggled? Who, who's in this room right now trying to figure out this Jesus thing and he's not fitting your picture? Don't raise your hand. Don't say amen. But you know if I'm talking to you. You're trying to figure out who Jesus is. You're screaming, what is this? What is this? You sat in your prayer closet this very week. What is this, Lord? This doesn't feel right. It doesn't look right. I don't understand. You've said those words. My question for you is this. What if Jesus... Oh, you got to hear this. What if Jesus, in the middle of your mess, is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you could ask, think, or imagine? What if? What if he is able to take your mess, as you view it, make it something completely different see because jesus had to remind john that's in his response that he was indeed the messiah but his kingdom would be different than john expected what if his kingdom Jesus had to send a message to John. His kingdom would be different than what John was expecting. So I, let, me, let me move into the last part of the message. Yes, we're going to be running a little late, but we'll do the best we can. What if God doesn't want to meet your expectations because he wants to exceed them? Now take a look. Look at the scriptures. Look at this whole story. John's expectations versus Jesus' accomplishments. Often, hear me when I say this, the way God is going to grow your faith is by missing your expectations. John's thinking, I gave up my ministry for this? Prison walls? You've never thought things like that. God is not your genie in a bottle. And that's the mentality that we got to change in today's church. Tell John, Jesus says, the blind see, the lame walk, lepers are healed. I want you to hear this. This is good stuff. This is good. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, this is good stuff. Listen up. Jesus is telling John, I touch people that are not typically touched. 
This is good news. Lepers are returned to their families. Nobody cared about the lepers. They were outside the camp. Nobody could touch them. Jesus changed it. Go tell John that. People that were quarantined from their families are returned. That's what I meant when I said exceedingly, abundantly, above what you could ask, think, or imagine. These people had imagined themselves dying, losing digits one at a time until finally their life ebbed away. Jesus comes along and he says, yeah, your leprosy is not going to be your end. I got something different planned for you. John, you're interested in people being killed, <laughs> messed up. I'm interested in them having abundant life. So what has to happen? You got to pull back or zoom out. You know how you do that on your phone? Remember when you used to use a video recorder? Yeah, back in the day. Pull back, zoom out. John has the same problem as you and I do. He can only see what he sees. He can only feel what he feels. He's human. He's finite. He's limited. Maybe you need a God-sized view. That's what John needed. Let me rephrase that. You need a God-sized view. Jesus is fulfilling the prophecies. He's not fulfilling their preferences. See how I use those two P's together? He's fulfilling the prophecy, not their preferences, not your preferences. So you see, God is trying to deliver you from what you thought he was going to be. God is trying to deliver you from what you thought he would be. He, he's so much bigger than what you thought he was going to be. As long as you're in the prison of what you think, you cannot be a part of what God is doing. Yeah, I'm waiting for you to write that down because that's really important stuff. As long as you're bound in the prison of what you think, you cannot be part of what God is doing. It becomes a priv prison. Because he's so much bigger than what you thought he was going to be. And I'm going to bring it down to a close, but did you notice what Jesus left out in his response to John? Now, I know it's not typical for Sunday morning, but I actually want you to respond. I want somebody to respond to me. What did Jesus leave out in his response to John? Think Luke chapter 4. Now, I'm giving it away, so don't run over there and look. But some of you are bright enough to know in Jesus' response in Matthew 11 to John, what did he leave out? Okay, now to search a little further. What did he leave out? Luke 4, 18. What did he leave out when he responds to John? 
Thank you. Where is John? Send this message to John. The blind see. The deaf hear. The lame walk. The dead are raised. He didn't say anything about prison. You want to know why? Because Jesus wasn't trying to meet John's preferences. He was fulfilling the prophecies. And the prison that, G that John is in is not the prison that Jesus is talking about in Luke chapter 4. He's talking about these kinds of prisons that prevent us from seeing Jesus for who he really is. Oh, he's not excluding prisoners by any means, but he doesn't fulfill John's preference, does he? He says nothing about, preference, about prison. When he sends his disciples back, the disciples go, I don't know what else to tell you, John, but he didn't say anything about you being freed from prison. Let me bring it to a close. I'll make this quick. There it is in Luke. For he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released. Do you hear that? That the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. But it's that captive set free that John would have loved to have heard on that day. But he didn't hear that. So God did it. God did it different. I don't have anything else for you. There. What are you going through right now? You know, and you've experienced God coming through for you many times, haven't you? Come on, believers. You've experienced God coming through for you many times. What, what makes you think that God doesn't have a good plan right now? It may not feel good, but, but it is good. Yeah, you can say hallelujah. It may not feel good, but it is good because it's God, and you have no other option but that. God will be God, and as such, he is faithful. Look at your neighbor right now and say, God's faithful. Listen to me when I say these words. He cannot withdraw his oath, his covenant, his promises. He cannot withdraw them. God is incapable of withdrawing his oath, his covenant. He will not break his promise, his covenant with you. What are you talking about, preacher? I'm talking about Psalm 23. You know the verses, but in your mess, in the middle of your mess, are you seeing it? Oh, let me read it for you. From verse 3, he renews my strength. Y'all need to stand up for this. He renews my strength. He guides me along his right paths, bringing honor to his name. It's his name that is at stake, not yours. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. 
your rod and your staff. Here it is, protect and comfort me. And these are words you gotta get. You gotta get, you gotta know this is God. You gotta know this, church. You, you, God, prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. That means there are enemies there, but God still has your back. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows. There it is, church. My cup overflows with blessings. I don't just have enough. I got more than enough. And here's what I wanted you to walk out of this place knowing these verse, this verse. Surely, your goodness and mercy or unfailing love, the New Living says, will pursue me a couple days for the rest of my life. Amen. Yeah, you got it right. Surely your goodness, your mercy will follow me. It will track me down. Not today only, not this week only because it's Christmas, but your goodness, your mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I, I will live in the house or I will live in the goodness, the knowledge and understanding of you and your love forever. So look at your neighbor right now and say, your trouble is temporary. But God's goodness is forever. Come on, say it. Say it to him. Your trouble is temporary. But God's goodness is forever. All right, come on, come on, say it with me. Your trouble is temporary. But God's goodness is forever. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. I want you to bow your head, close your eyes. I'm going to make this as quick as I can. I know it's gone late. There are people waiting to get in for the next service. Listen, if you're here right now and you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, don't walk out of this place with any question mark there. Come on, put an exclamation point where there's a question mark. You're not sure of your position with Christ Jesus and you need to see it changed. Lift your hand right where you're at and say, Preacher, pray for me. I want to get things right with Jesus today. I don't want to walk out of here with a question mark. God bless you. Thank you for that hand. Somebody else. Somebody else. Say, I know i got to get things right with Jesus today. Hey, can we, can we do this? Can you, can you do this right now? Will you be bold enough to, to come all the way to the front pew right now? Come right up here to this altar if you raise your hand. You mean business with God? You want to see God change it? Let me pray with you. Let me pray with you. Come on right over here, bud. God bless you. What's your name? Farron. Man, I'm so glad. I'm so proud of you. John, come on up. Here, here you go. Stand right by Farron. I'm going to pray this prayer with you. And what I want you to know, before I even pray the prayer, you're, on the, you're starting on a path. You've got to continue on it, bud. It, it doesn't just, today is it, and you're all good. And, Woo! When, when I die, I'm going to heaven. No, you've got to walk on the path. You've got to stay on it. Pray this prayer with me. Mean it from your heart, and I know God's going to meet you right here. 
Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Be the Lord of my life. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross so I could have eternal life. Now forgive me for all my sins. Thank you, Jesus. The grave couldn't contain you. You had and have power over death. And you impart that to me when I pray this prayer and believe in you as my Savior. From this moment, I'm yours. I hope you've enjoyed today's message and that it has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening in. If you have met Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, would you please connect with us either at our website, www.centralfamily.net, or perhaps give us a call at 610-865-0577. We'd love to hear from you. Also, if this has been that kind of a blessing to you, would you consider blessing us with a financial gift to make it possible for us to continue to do what we're doing here and taking the gospel not only to the Lehigh Valley but around the world. We want to do our part in reaching the people that God has entrusted to us with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can help us with your financial gift or sowing a seed to this ministry. God bless you. Have an amazing day. Remember, you can reach us and give through www.centralfamily.net.